Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I am thrilled for this incredible conversation with one of my favorite musicians, Rye. I had the opportunity to travel to Antarctica and was joined by Rye and Diplo and a variety of incredible musicians. And I took the opportunity to sit down with Rye, whose performance was actually uh, auspiciously joined by a pod of orcas. And in this conversation, we go into nature and how the whales can provide profound messages of balance and love. We talk about music as a universal language that transcends boundaries and can bring people together, the creative process and how we can make our most profound music. We talk about grief and loss and uh, each of our journeys with our fathers and how we can use music to help us navigate through our emotions. We, can, we talk about existential lessons that we've learned through music and the music that wants to live through us. I think you'll get so much value from this conversation. I am going to lead in with the trailer for the video, which I just launched on YouTube. For those of, my, of you that are my longtime audio listeners, please go and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It would mean the world to me. It's youtube.com backslash Michael Trainer, And then I give a brief word from our sponsors and then the incredible conversation with the one and only Rye. Please delve deeply into the journey and let me know your thoughts. I can't wait for you to listen. I discovered momentum as I, as I talk about drinking as a tool for using drinking instead of for my detriment, for my optimal wellness. And momentum is the definitive longevity shake and supplement. I have been researching on this journey of peak mind, how to optimize my life, my health, what are the supplements that one needs to, to do so. And when I discovered momentum, I reached out to the founder, Mike, and I said, man, I got to try this. And uh, another guest of the show, Ben Greenfield, basically spoke about it with, with flying colors. And I was like, okay, let me check this out. And I did, and it's got NAD+, it's got the highest quality whey protein powder from, from cows, uh, literally in Ireland, where they're not exposed to the same sort of GMOs and, and pesticides and whatnot that we find across the, the U.S. Collagen, omega-3s, sun fiber, lion's made, hydrolonic acid, vitamins D3 and K2, L-glutamine, TMG, B-complex vitamins, cordyceps, essential minerals, and magnesium. These are some of the most essential ingredients you can find, and Momentum has the highest quality sourcing I have come across in the entire industry. And not only that, they package it together in a single delicious shake, which has now become a daily habit for me. Sometimes I'll actually go work out just because my reward is that I get to drink Momentum afterwards. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, it's delicious. Subscribe. I drink it every day. You can check them out at MomentumShake.com. 
Again, that is MomentumShake.com. They have some incredible resources on the website. So if you're considering, uh, you can really do a deep dive into their sourcing, into each of the ingredients and why they are so impactful on your health and well-being. And if you have any questions, please feel to reach out to me at Michael Trainer online. I'd be happy to share. It's one of my favorite new discoveries. This episode is also brought to you by Upgraded Formulas. Upgraded Formulas I discovered uh, as a result of a hair test that I did through them, which basically shows how you are doing in your mineral absorption. What minerals are in your body uh, and where is that impacting your health, your energy levels, uh, and your optimal wellness. And much to my surprise, I discovered that I have huge heavy metal exposure, which has profound consequences if it goes untreated, potential neurological consequences, you know, dementia, cancers, a lot of really gnarly uh, consequences. And so I was elated, not that at the results, but that I actually discovered those, uh, those high levels and have now taken action. And I've been working with Upgraded Formulas and their, their founder, Barton, to basically optimize my mineral levels as I reduce the stressors on my body and put myself into a position to win in my detoxification of heavy metals and also in optimizing my metabolism, getting my thyroid in balance, getting my, you know, my cortisol levels down, my stressors. I've been incorporating a lot more magnesium into my morning and night routines, which has actually increased my deep sleep, which I'm noticing has had profound consequences on my energy. I uh, personally am also working on their natural boosters for testosterone to get my hormones in an optimal way. And so if you're looking at optimizing minerals, which are so important for your overall well-being. If you're looking at optimizing your hormones, if you're concerned about heavy metals and detoxification, definitely check out Upgraded Formulas. It's UpgradedFormulas.com. And please go ahead and get yourself that test. And or they have some optimal uh, packaging of different supplements commensurate with your needs, whether that be hormones, energy, detoxification. So check them out, UpgradedFormulas.com. If you want to use the code PEAK at Upgraded Formulas, you will get 15% off your order. I highly recommend their magnesium. Finally, this episode is brought to you by LeelaQ, L-E-E-L-A-Q.com. It's my go-to for quantum energy and quantum healing. They have the Leela block, the quantum block, which I I have in my home. It helps to protect from harmful uh, radiation and harmful waves that are sent oftentimes from our internet routers. If you live in a city, we're besieged by them. It's also uh, very useful for uh, helping to charge uh, food and other objects. It's wild. Go into my episode with the founder, Philip. Uh, you can, I'll link below in the show notes, uh, check it out, uh, incredible conversation, and it's one of my new discoveries that I am loving. Again, that's Leela Q, and you can use the word peak, uh, peak mind at checkout for 15% off your order. And let's get into the conversation with Rye. 
Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm here with my new friend, Mike Milos from Rye. I can hear it like your sounds, babe. I feel like the whales down here are kind of getting into our minds a little bit. And there was that moment where I was doing the actual secular Sabbath performance where I'm singing and these orcas came to the front of the boat. There's this feeling that they're getting into my mind. Hey, can you speak for us? We want to remind people balance. They are reaching out on some kind of like sonic or psychic level and they touch you, but there's something about that. It, it feels very kind, but it feels very much like a teacher saying, Hey guys, let's get back into like a balance. Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, And I'm here with my new friend, Mike Milos from Rye. Hi there, Mike. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. Um, first of all, it's an honor to have you on the show. Um, you and I have had some opportunity to drop in over the last few days in mm-hmm. very beautiful ways. And we happen to be recording uh, live from Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping in on expeditions, walking by penguins, you know, on these beautiful mountains, and now we're talking on a ship. Yeah. yeah, there was a moment, actually, I guess that was maybe two days ago, where we're on the same sort of expedition boat, and you, I was coming down the mountain, and there was like a colony of penguins, mm-hmm. and I was coming down behind you, and I'm and and you were singing. Yeah. What and and the, there was also a moment where I think we, we kind of walked on this what seemed to be kind of a, a an ill or unwell penguin yeah and you sang again yeah what was the intention behind the song in that moment um well specifically the penguin that was ill I just wanted to sing to it like a lullaby and I saw it actually kind of lift its head and look at me at one point and it was kind of neat. It's definitely, oh, it sounds like so cliche, but it was, the intention was healing. Can I sing a song that's going to bring some kind of beauty or solace to this penguin that looked pretty ill? And I didn't see any, any of the uh, um, other penguins move or get up to it, but someone said after we left, these penguins came up and then one of them brought it some food, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah. Obviously, but it definitely was so sad to see a sick penguin because I wasn't, you don't even think about that. We're seeing all these healthy colonies and all these animals in their natural habitat. You don't actually see a lot of hurt or sick animals. And to be confronted with that, you're like, whoa, oh yeah, like they get sick too. And it's, it's confronting. As you say that, what strikes me, which, which is a little bit almost hurtful to myself is I walk around Venice, California, and I see people who are unwell all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet, yet when I saw that penguin, it actually moved me. I mean, granted, it was also way more of an oddity for me to see mm-hmm. a penguin. Um, but, but I love the fact that you that you that you use the song to soothe. You know that mm-hmm. that that actually because it felt it felt very soothing for me, and I and I feel like music is a universal language, mm-hmm. and. You know, I don't know if penguins speak English, but I think they spoke the melody you were singing. Yeah, I mean, I sing to my dog all the time, and my dog definitely likes it. And I don't know, anytime. So I have a studio in Topanga, um, in my like on my property where I live, and there's deer that come by my property a lot. And I've noticed that if I get quiet and go, oh my god, there's deer here, they actually get scared and they run away. Mm-hmm. If I just keep singing and keep being me and recording and working on music, they actually hang out. Yeah. And there's 
something to be said about that where you just say you because the version of me that that's there is pretty peaceful and you know, I'm just singing um the animals kind of get attracted to it and I've had that a couple times on this trip and the most mind-blowing one was the whales yeah. around the zodiac and Cassie passes these tuning forks me and I hit them and I put them in the water and we were like let's call on the whales let's call on the whales you know okay so we're calling with no whale comes to the zodiac nothing and I get to the boat get to my room and I look out the balcony and there's two huge humpback whales just right by my balcony and I just sat off my balcony like singing to them and they just didn't move and you know they're usually kind of going up and down and going underwater they were just there yeah and I was like wow this is I don't know if they can hear me but on my side of the experience I'm having a very amazing experience in that moment I feel like again I can't verify this but I think I share with you uh, person I'll share for the benefit of the audience. So there's a story that I was told by a man who I, I did some really deep work with named Martin Prexel. And he was telling the story of this merchant Marine who was who a Vietnam vet that kind of had very much been lost to the world, mm -hmm. you know, was hiding from reality, sheltered, nonverbal, despondent. And he slowly came back to life through bird songs. Like he loved to record bird songs. And he wound up as a merchant Marine off the coast of Alaska. And he heard these whales singing and it was the same song that he had recorded in the Amazon in his kind of coming back to life adventure. And they started to respond to the song. And to me, that was such a beautiful one and kind of talks about what we we're talking about earlier, which is that notion of, of the song healing unwellness or bringing us back to ourselves or helping us to remember who we are, mm -hmm. but also like this cross species communication that's that's so feasible yeah we're part of a culture that we don't acknowledge a lot of times or we don't really put our minds to is that we live on the planet with a lot of different animals and they share a lot of songs and there seems to be this weird especially when you see a predator like the the birds that are trying to steal the eggs from the penguins yeah. that are, that are defending themselves it's not as like action-packed as you'd think as like a national geographic episode where something's attacking it's there's like a a subtle kind of agreement or something that there's a certain amount of eggs that might get taken in a way like because the whole colony is protecting it but totally. there's an understanding there's a balance there but the the, the I don't know, doesn't feel too greedy or something where humans feel greedy like whaling and when you look at the the presentation about expeditions and how they're funding these expedi expeditions by hunting seals and like all oh, that's humans are so gladness but the animal kingdom seems to have like this little balance worked out and it's okay. Uh, I think that's true to me at least. And because I've had the opportunity to do some pretty deep work with the indigenous and lived in, uh, in Sri Lanka. And there it's interesting because if a person falls out of balance, it's actually the role of the entire community mm -hmm. to bring them back into balance mm -hmm. because there's no word for privacy and there's no word for possession. Mm -hmm. So if you're on a well, it's the job of the entire community for us all to come back into wellness, which which they do through song, interestingly enough. I just kind of like put them two together. But like there's this elaborate from sunset to sunrise ritual uh, orchestration of their collective worldview. And I think about that because the indigenous also had that same reverence. Like they would hunt or they would take even from a plant, like a herb, traditional herbalist. But they wouldn't take more than five percent of the plant. Yeah. It was always so they would be able. They're not to taking care. too much that so can harm it, and like yeah, yeah, you don't want to over uh, prune anything. 
there's something weird, and I don't know if this is projection or not, but I feel like the whales down here are kind of getting into our minds a little bit because yes. we've had a lot of whale sightings. Yes. We've had whales every day on the sides of the boat. Look, look, them, yeah, whale. orcas. Orcas was very, very rare. Yeah, very rare, and they're all at the front. And there was that moment where I was doing the actual secular Sabbath performance where I'm singing and these orcas came to the front of the boat. And, you know, that's amplified sounds. So I'm like, do they hear it? I don't know. But there's this feeling that they're getting into my mind. And I feel like what they're trying to say to me is, hey, balance. Yeah. Like, hey, can you speak for us? We want to remind people balance. Mm -hmm. and, and like actually love, which sounds cliche in a way or whatever. It sounds kind of hippie, but there's this like deep love that I feel around the humpback whales. Like mm. they're so peaceful and graceful and they're definitely, they know we're here. Like they're very intelligent. They understand their body mass. They understand like they don't hit you when you're in the Zodiac or like purposely, like they're right. not, they're not hostile. No. And I think they are reaching out on some kind of like sonic or psychic level, which maybe who knows comes through in sonics. It might not even just be, straight telepathy it might actually be through the songs and they touch you but i'm seeing this like signal in my mind that looks like this a type of sine wave but with these colors and there's something about that it, it feels very kind but it feels very much like a teacher saying hey guys let's get back into like a balance like hey, hey whoa 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 like you know i i i resonate with that deeply and you you and i shared a little bit about this but you know, I've been also doing a bit of research into the whales, and I hadn't realized that they are considered the world's oldest culture mm. because they carry that culture through song, mm. and those songs are endemic to the particular region that they're from. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, but yet they carry it, and the song moves all around the world, moving from the different regions, but mm. again with the specific notes that are endemic to the various places it's traveled from. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there, and again, there, there is a consciousness, you know, and I feel like we are being spoken to. Mm -hmm. I think the question is, it's very rare, unfortunately, that we choose to listen. And that's that kind of like egoism or obstinance that humans kind of traverse the world with where we don't pay attention to these beautiful creatures. And it's not even that hard if you're in the same environment to just drop in and settle in and kind of get into that rhythm and just observe them for a while. Like there's that thing they said when we were walking up the, the hill, like pick a penguin to look at and just watch it for a while. Yeah. And I did that. And there's this one penguin that was just building this rock nest for his partner. And the one was just sitting there protecting the egg, the female. And it was so sweet to watch this penguin going back and forth. And he'd get a little tussle with a male. Like they kind of, I don't even know if it's playful or not, but they get the rock and then they waddle over and he puts it in his perfect place. And I'm like, wow, if you just looked at this group of penguins from a distance, he wouldn't notice the intricacy of their behaviors, like the love, the caring that they're, when they're pairing up, what, what they're giving with each other. And that I think is the majesty of coming to a place like Antarctica is that you get to interface with these animals that they're not worried about us because there's so many rules about being here. You're not allowed to in any way disturb the animals like we're not walking to penguins by the way like we're very we're told very clearly like if they start to approach you actually walk back from them we don't want to uh interject ourselves in their their communities but observing from far you're just like these beautiful creatures are so caring to one another you know 
And all you got to do is look and just spend like five minutes looking and then it starts to show up. And you're like, oh, now I recognize this penguin and this penguin. I see the behavior. Yeah. There's something with the whales too. When you just kind of drop, don't scream and shout, don't freak, just watch them. You start to see these beautiful behaviors. Like, do you see when they are um, like hunting together? Yeah. They would go on either sides, blow these huge bubbles. I could see where a humpback whale is coming because I'd see a ring form. I'm like, look at the ring. And then boom, this humpback whale would come up and just open its mouth and get a bunch of fish. And there's a couple of them around there. And you're like, father, oh, they're doing this together, you know? Yes. This is like, a, and they're joyous too. They're like, they're kind of expressing joy after and moving their tails. And I don't know. The observation um, is very special. Yeah, I feel like, at least for me, there's a lot to remember about truly living and mm -hmm. the listening to their behavior. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they're, what's come alive for me is it's so rare now, unfortunately, to be in one of the Earth's truly wild places, right? Mm -hmm. Where the human imprint is very much subservient. Pretty minimal. To, yeah. to the frequency of the wild. Mm -hmm. And... And, it, you know, it's so unusual to actually be both in that energetic, but also to be able to kind of quiet oneself, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, oh, that's what I loved on our, on our walk the other day when we actually, everyone was silent mm -hmm. to be back in that place of just like the subtleties of what, what is being expressed, you know? Yeah. So like, just to, for anyone listening to this, we requested that we did a meditation that we do a meditation on top of a mountain and you're not allowed to sit anywhere in any of these expeditions because you don't want to disturb any of the land or bring back any uh bacteria or matter to the boat we got to scrub off there's all these protocols but we got permission because it was high enough and it was far enough away from any penguin um like little settlements that we were allowed to sit down in the snow at the top of a mountain that we climbed ourselves it took a while to climb and it's hard and we just sat there and meditated all together. Yeah. And the sound of the cracking ice you could hear from like pretty far away too. Like it's just flying across the air. It, you, it's unbelievable. Like that the actual tones and the sounds you're hearing from the ice. And then you get the wind and then you hear these penguins in the distance. And then the sounds of the waves breaking really below. You really tune into this environment. And yes, it's very hostile. Um, if you didn't have the right yeah. clothing or equipment, we wouldn't. Be in trouble. Yeah, we'd be in trouble. Yeah. You fell in the water as we did. Uh, we jumped in the water. I mean, I, full, I jumped out. I was not as, as good at, as you were. Uh, so I'm glad you did it too. Though. I'm so glad you did it. I was really scared. I was like, and I cold plunged, but for some reason, I just, I was looking at the water. I'm like, I'm, I'm really scared to jump in, actually. Um, even getting that moment of immersing ourselves in the actual water that yeah. was really cold and getting out, I felt so connected to this land. And it's hostile, but we're allowed to very subtly visit it with the right protection. Yes. And it's it's magical. It's it, really magical. It is. There's like that salty of just immersed. I think what you're saying, like for me at least, that, that immersion, not to like, oh, it felt like I understand baptism. Mm -hmm. I understand conceptually why that would feel like a rebirth, you know? And especially because we are being so careful on land to not leave uh, an indelible imprint, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to be able to actually fully immerse and release and be and be both surrounded by, but also affected by, mm -hmm. you know, the natural world in the water. Although it was brief, it was brief, but it's, but no, it's, yeah. it stayed with you. You yeah. know, it was like the information 
you know, so when I, that's something I mentioned to you, I took this during, during COVID when my, my, my father was, uh, after he had passed, I, I took it like a walkabout, a 40 day, almost biblical journey mm-hmm. through the American West and, and did 11 national parks, but it was and in the silence and like in the glaciers, like I remember up in Washington being in this Fern Canyon and going in these freezing cold waters, it was like, and again, at the risk of sounding kind of woo-woo, that information would stay with me for yeah. days. Like it was like, I was alive. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I felt yesterday. It was like, man, like to jump in these Arctic waters that are so still so, you know, protected and, and, and so many whales that are just swimming in proximity and to be in that in those waters to me was so enlivening. It's something we were talking about with Cassie, which is really interesting. And she's like a surfer and she's always in the water. There's this idea that there's information in the water. Yes. Right. And the animals that are singing to the water and sound is traveling to water, it's picking up. I mean, we go to that Japanese study yeah, with the water. Yeah. And, yeah, the motor. Um, you got 70 plus percent of the world's fresh water in Antarctica. And you've got all this frozen ice that's ancient where like some of those icebergs were black because they had no like oxygen because it all had left it. And this is like really, really old, old ice. Yeah. And you're like, what story is in there outside of like the geological story like that a geologist could uncover? Like what information is that we just don't really understand yet? Yeah. There's a lot in there and you kind of pick it up or intuit it. Maybe we're even projecting, but there's something about being around the purity of Antarctica where fears are, you, you feel you're getting something that's really planetary. It's like planetary knowledge. Yeah. And you're so near the South Pole, like yeah. this weird magnetic, like, I don't know, just, or I never thought I was going to get this close to the South Pole. Yeah. Like, I never, you know, you don't think about it. And then when you're here, you're like, wow, your body does feel different. Yeah. It's not just that you're on a boat, like, you feel different. And I feel very sensitive here. Yes. Which is, and I think a lot of people are feeling that. Like there's a lot of emotions, a lot of sensitivity, a lot of sensitivity to the gravity. When we're walking around Patagonia, it's like, I really feel like this difference in my like weight or something. Yeah. I couldn't really explain. And it wasn't just like a vertigo from flying. Like there was like this actual difference. And I don't know, it it allows you to tune into the subtleties. And I think that's where I'm getting such like a feedback from the animals that are here, even though we're not directly interacting with them. Mm. There's this really interesting sharing that's happening. So we've talked about this and I'd love to kind of delve into it a little bit with you, which is, you know, earlier this morning we're talking about the notion, I had done a show with the Shongan, like a, a lion tracker, mm. and he talked about how many people, which is kind of a metaphor for life and living, but they get lost and always obsessing about where the lion is. The goal. But he said, the trick is in finding the first right track. Mm. And then from that first right track, intuiting, listening, observing to find the next right track. Mm. And it reminded me a lot of what you shared with me, at least in my listening, to your musical process. Mm-hmm. To, to this, it, it, and it feels like, and you know, if I'm projecting here, please correct me, but almost like there's a calling, like, like you were like the whales call, like there's like a, there's also a, a for lack of a term, a kind of a soul's calling. You know, I just, uh, did a show with Stephen Pressfield, one of my favorite authors. And he talks about the muse, the notion of like that divine feminine wanting to move through us, that creative force, which also kind of takes the ego out of the process in a beautiful way. Um, 
but what what is your relationship because you do have uh such a resonant voice mm-hmm. um but i remember i think you said the other day something like sometimes i don't even remember my own lyrics because mm-hmm. it's yeah. coming from someplace else yeah, yeah. can you talk a little bit about that like what how does how do you what's the lion's track for you yeah. as it relates to music it's interesting so First of all, the muse thing is such an interesting concept, like the great concept of muse that you're visited by, yeah. like the spirit that brings you. I've always thought that was a really nice allegory, but it doesn't feel completely correct to me. I think it's like, that's the beginning part of the process. I think for me, I'm really connected to this destiny, which is to make music. Um, if it was to make money, I definitely would go into commercial real estate or I'd go into <laughs> yeah. that, you know, like- Something else. Yeah, something else that doesn't take that much effort to make x amount of dollars um so i'm not driven by the finances you know i'm i'm aware of that i'm driven i'm driven by the the exploration and that the track analogy i think was really cool today because the way i start a song in that same way is i just start with a note Mm. and i don't really plan out what the song's going to be i'm not thinking oh i'm going to make a funk song or i'm going to make a disco song i play a note and i see how i feel based on that note and it comes from these meditations where I do, where I just play the piano for 45 minutes. I don't think about what I'm playing. I just, no judgment, I just play. And then I get to this place where I'm like, okay, boom, I'm just gonna do a song. I play a note or a chord or whatever. And then how I'm feeling emotionally tells me what I wanna hear next. Do I wanna hear a minor, you know, or do I wanna go to B flat next? Cause then I wanna suspend it with like a weird D vocally that just fits nicely and it, it creates uh, a harmony harmony with my emotions rather than oh there's an intellectual um construction i'm not trying to build something intellectual it's much more emotional and just going with how i feel mm. and there's no ultimate destination with a song there's a moment where you've got a song going and it's too long or whatever but you don't like adjudicate it yet. you put no judgment on it yet you don't put any um perspectives on it you just listen to it and you think huh does it work and then you can whittle it back down and get back down. Cause I know I'm making a song that has to be in a format that's uh, digestible. So I'm like, I want to get it to like four minutes or three minutes. So I want a verse and a chorus. And then you start to like, but the beginning part doesn't start like that. The beginning you're just creating a harmony, the chord structure, putting vocals. And I never started the same each time. Like sometimes I start with a drum beat, you know, cause I just feel like playing drums and I'm playing drums. And then I'm like, oh, I really like this feeling that I'm getting from this this beat is a this is a tempo that really settles me and a lot of what i'm looking for in music isn't hyper excitement it's not like this um uh amplified reality it's not party music per se it's definitely all soothing i'm looking to be soothed a lot i happen to like the feeling of calm and the energy in there isn't just making it faster the energy is the emotion so if you can make someone cry or feel something through the emotion, it's not that it's lazy or sedated, it's a slower tempo or whatever, it feels calm, but then mm-hmm. what's going on is all the energy is in the emotion and then lyrics form from there. So the way I do my vocalizations, I just sing gibberish like, Okay. I'm like, whoa. What am I saying to myself? I start hearing my subconscious talking to me. Mama's home, my face is, oh, my face is, what am I, why, why am I thinking about my face? 
is my face telling me something about myself? And then I start to go there. And then by the end of like the day, I'll, I'll have written a bunch of words where I didn't even realize that's what I was thinking. Wow. And then I'm like, oh, here I am. I'm getting this song that's kind of like a conversation with myself about how I feel about something that happened in my life. And because I'm letting it out, I feel like that's where the value is for someone else that's going to listen to it because it's authentically a real emotion. I'm assuming most people can relate to authentic emotions, right? Yeah. It's not like trying to play the part or be like a rhyme or be gimmicky, or it's not trying to fit into a genre per se. It's just coming from this place where I'm just trusting that someone else will find beauty in it in their own time, in their own way. Um, and that's like a really important thing for me to have that process. Cause I don't want to create something just for the sake of having it do well. Mm. I want it to do something for me first. Cause I'm like the first test, right? If it can do something for me, then I feel like, okay, I think it can do something for someone else. So it's, it's actually seeing if it evokes you in an authentic way before yeah. you actually share it out into the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I'll trash it. You know, like the last record I made, I made like 36 songs, but I only put out 12. Because there was a bunch of songs that felt like I made that song to get me to the next song. It does, not every song has to be shared, right. you know? But it doesn't, mean it, was, it doesn't mean it was a waste of time. Yes. It means I just had to go through that process at that three-day period or whatever to get to a place where I had dropped in heavily enough that now I'm getting to the true song that I think... I want to share with everybody. That is such a beautiful articulation um, because I think so many people feel like they wasted an opportunity right. or they wasted a creative endeavor and they stop because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like the truest expression of what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. But it's just a it's a it's another step on the track towards that 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 piece that wants to live through you. I felt like for me in my book, I've been writing a book for the last five years. It's absolutely kick my ass then there's absolutely like total chapters you know that i'm at just trash you know? uh -huh. Uh -huh. and the tendency i think is to be like oh man what a waste of time you know or i should have had that there would but it's actually not it's just like that 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 process was integral to getting to even if it's one true sentence or one true expression mm -hmm. that i needed to go on that little you know wh wh whether it be considered a tangent or just that path so as to arrive where I need to, where I need to be in an authentic way. I feel like being open to the possibility of making a large mistake yeah. is what brings you to the place where you find the truest, you know, yeah. thing that you want to say. Because if you're not open to making a mistake, that's rigidity. Mm -hmm. Like, and now, and that hyper rigidity doesn't bring you to something new or fresh. But even outside of new or fresh, because that still has like a, a feeling of a commodity. Like it's like a commodity, but yep. when you are open to mistakes, things happen that bring you to somewhere special that it's almost like angels speak through you, mm -hmm. through mistakes. And the way I would probably bracket this idea is I love recording in a very analog environment. My studio is very analog. It's not very digital. I have everything facing away from the monitor. So I very rarely look at the actual screen because I don't like the left to right mentality of uh, traditional recording software. You know, I just don't like what it does to my mind. I want to be pretty free and think circular and stuff like that. But things messed up all the time in my studio for no reason. Like something's just not sounding right or whatever. 
And so then I bypass that and I use a different preamp or I use a different compressor. And there's nothing wrong with that compressor. I don't know why it's messing up. Yeah. I'm like, something just didn't work that day. And then it brought me to this place where I made this song that wouldn't have happened if I stayed with that rigid, no, I want to use this drum machine or this synthesizer or whatever. I wasn't getting the sound out of it that I wanted. And I, through that mistake, you know, and me bypassing it, I get to this really beautiful creative place and I don't chastise myself for the mistake either. I'm like, no, 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 that was what was supposed to happen. You know, it's kind of like that idea of like, you meet your destiny on the road you took to avoid it, right? You get back to this place and you're like, no, this is a song that I was supposed to make, right? Here it is. And it's because I didn't use this and this and this that I thought I was going to use. I guess we're from it. And it's just, there's something magical about that. And I think if you're very, just like listening to the whales and listening to the animals, if you're open to the pro, the creative process, there is this mysticism, like yeah. these magical um, moments that, that they come to you if you let them. And I think that's why, if I could also bracket this in like a, like with a term, I don't make songs. I let songs out. Yes. Right? It's a letting. And you're just letting it flow. Yeah. You know? And I remember the first time I ever read about blood letting, I was like, wow, that's so interesting. Huh, that's not what I'm doing with music, but I love the concept of letting something out of you, you know? Yeah. But I like it in the positive way. I'm not getting a sickness out of me. Right. I'm letting something that's supposed to come out into our culture because I believe that music is a bonding agent for culture. And culture is humans coming together collectively to do something a little bit greater than that you could do on your own. And it takes a whole, like a whole bunch of things to happen within a culture for that to coalesce for like that beauty to occur. And I think music is one of those things. Yeah. And I think music, if it's done correctly with the right intention, when someone else hears it, they have epiphanies within that sound of their own that are unrelated to the song. They have emotional epiphanies, intellectual epiphanies, engineering epiphanies, you know? And I love the idea of giving someone sonics or, or tone or music that allows them the place for their mind to have their own epiphanies, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like this self-perpetual motion machine yes. where the music that's coming out of me came from somewhere else. Yes. Like I've had all these epiphanies even on this trip just from animals, nature, the water, talking to you, talking to all the people on the boat, their creative ideas, boom. And then I get this like one idea and I'm like, wait. And then that turns into a song. And then hopefully if it gets out there and people hear it, there's someone out there that has that wonderful epiphany that helps them, you know? Or a thousand people or 10,000, whatever it is. But that's the interest for me. Because I think that what I'm super, I'm becoming very aware of right now is that I feel humans are starting to slightly elevate. Mm-hmm. In fact, I feel like we're really peaceful, mm-hmm. but the news makes us feel like we hate each other. Because mm-hmm. there's a couple conflicts going on, on the planet sure. that are real and they're, you know, I've got some friends that have had some terrible things happen to them as a result. And, but that's not the majority. Like I keep, like I'm a very well-traveled individual and I think you are too. Yeah. I keep having very beautiful experiences with lots of people from many different cultures with huge uh, language barriers in this, but we still just want to be really sweet to each other, totally. you know? And music is one of those languages that breaks the language barrier because we all can understand it. And I think that's, there's something in that. There 
Yes. You know, there's something in that. There's, and that's why I want to tour the world and just play music everywhere. Yeah, it's it's so true. It's it's like music transcends those boundaries that separate us, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 the news and these things, they're also frequency, mm-hmm. but they're a heavy frequency. Dark. You know, they're they're meant to draw you into a different, more base level of consciousness of fear, etc. And what I hear you talking about, at least in, in my listening, you know, it's like, I describe it like this. I've had the pleasure of, of sitting in some really, truly beautiful cultural ceremonies around the world. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell the difference between someone who's singing a song because they want you to see them sing beautifully mm-hmm. and someone who's singing a song to lift the room. Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 speak to, to evoke, to call forward everyone there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I think about like, uh, you know, Aretha Franklin on a bus. Like, you may not know who she is, but then when you hear her song, it can, it speaks to your soul, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like um, the latter is so much, I think it is available for us all to access. Mm-hmm. And I think people like you, when you're in that true expression, do evoke that sense of possibility within us, right? Like, and, and, and by the way, we can all do that for each other through our own unique expression. Totally. Everyone has something. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like we're all, I mean, this is, I hesitate to say this out loud, it's about, it's about, but it's my own view, but I, 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 I believe that we're sort of the great guy in consciousness. I think there's, we're entirely interdependent. Um, there's a great text I love called the Jewel Net of Indra, which is a, a, an ancient Hawaiian Buddhist text. Mm. But it's about how we're all basically the center nodes of an interconnected web, you know. But they're intricately placed throughout. And I I think that we are like the great guy in consciousness seeking to wake up unto itself mm-hmm. to remember who we truly are. And I think the song to me is the greatest carrier, kind of like the water was for us yesterday. It feels like it carries information to help us remember. It's it's my own. Well, song is the yeah, it's the vessel, it's the package of information that's traveling through technological means like the internet, whatever, right? Also through people's minds in a room, non amplified. You yeah. know, you know, like song goes through all these different ways. It's not bias. It's very much like if you get a song out there, it could be just reiterated by someone else. You know, like there's tons of people that I've heard Beatles songs from, you know? Totally. And maybe you even heard a song that then you later heard the original recording. You're like, oh, that's what they're doing. And, but that song made it. You know, it's this non-genetic, beautiful piece of information that made it to you through someone else or through cables on the internet, like, or through a recording or like, it's a very powerful tool. And I think that's why it's so good at coalescing culture. And that's why some people become feared for the messages they can be putting out. I mean. I'm pretty sure John Lennon was murdered because he was trying to put an end to a conflict that was making a lot of money for people. Mm. You know, could be wrong, but I could see that happening. Um, there are a lot of there is a lot of revolutionaries. Yeah, people who are bringing a certain message that other people that are don't. counter to what mm. the financial goals. But I think we're hopefully we're leaving this era where I don't know. I hope it becomes an era where we're back to let's work together as a planet because we do see it. I mean, half the reason we're down in, in a place like this is because we're exploring, but we're also seeing that the world is being negatively impacted by human beings, right? 
And we got to come up with uh, some solutions that aren't just like depopulation or something like that. Because there's a lot of, there's 8 billion people on the planet. I mean, yeah. we're not going to change that out of nowhere. How do we work together? How do we come together? And it's not going to be me that comes up with a solution. It'll be, it'll be tons of people everywhere. And then, but when we start to align our minds and think together as like a community, like a global community, I think that's when you get these that are like, wow. I was watching the Antarctica um, talk today. It was amazing. And it was, there's one sad fact is like most of these wonderful technologies that have been created, are, they're always arms races. They're always races for a government to compete with another government to take a territory. And Antarctica is no one's territory, which is yeah. really interesting. It's beautiful. Yeah, we're down in this place. So like, there was a race to get here and then it's no one's. And I'm like, wow, okay. So this ownership thing, it's not going to change right now. But I think if we start to realize we're sharing the planet together and not one person gets to hoard this piece of land and, you know, come on, there's, there's a balance that we can strike. Yes. And I think that's what I'm sharing from the whales. It's like, no, 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 there's a balance. Yeah. There's a balance. And the hoarding is dangerous. And music is just one piece in that puzzle of like one way to bring culture together. Um, yeah. It's the difference between, in my view, like a zero sum game and an infinite game. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of the games that have been played around the world is for one person to win at, the, at another person's expense. Yeah. You know? And one of the things I like about the, for lack of a better term, the territory here is... It's an example of what can happen when the world gets together and says, no, this is not anyone's territory. Yeah. This is all of our territory. Yeah. It's for scientific use. It's for preservation. There's no uh, extraction by one country at the expense, you know, and, and, and that is so powerful because obviously we need more of that, but it's beautiful to see that it actually exists. It exists. Also, I didn't understand that a lot of, uh, astronomy was there was oh, those moments totally. were were found because they start to understand when jupiter was crossing between the earth and the sun down in the the south yeah. pole and then then they could start to map out exactly the planetary movements and then you're like well it's they're all connected right learning about antarctica helps us understand earth like earth's place in space yeah like okay and if we do have that exploration drive which humans seem to obviously we've explored this whole planet now we're obviously moving to space. We need to understand our planet to go into these places. You know, contrary to what other people think, I don't think it's wrong to go into space. Like, I think it's actually a really interesting concept to, to put ourselves in a place where maybe we can talk to beings from other planets. Yeah. Because if we're going to talk to beings from other planets, it's either going to be through technology, like flight, rockets, going to space, or it's going to be through signal, uh -huh. like radio or uh, sound wave, you know? Or it's going to be through consciousness, which also has some kind of frequency role. Like there's yes. a, there's something about frequency, but they're all got to play in it at the same time. It's not one or the other, you know. And I feel humans are like kind of getting not every human, but some humans are starting to feel like there's a time coming where we are going to connect with these other, probably very sophisticated beings, and I'm going to hope that those beings are not involved in an arms race as well. Yeah, you know, and we're meeting them on a on a ground where it's like, no, we're let's explore together and let's actually come together, because I do feel if we meet a more intelligent species, we're gonna be we're gonna be toast on that one. So 
Yeah, we. I think we have to. I, I like when, for example, the time capsules or the the the, the telescopes, the the for lack of a better term, the the ambassador capsules that we're sending out are actually musical. You yeah, know, like they're it's actually art. yeah, it's art. Yeah, and math, like mathematical equations yeah. and stuff, and. You know, obviously math feels like it is a universal language and anyone that understands math as a species starts to understand the ability to, let's say, speed of light, you, like, to understand that equation, to be able to move through space. There's also like my, like my trip here, I had a deep call in here, but I was first called to Egypt and I did go to Egypt and all yeah. these things conspired to get me to Egypt. And I sang in the Great Pyramid of, of Giza and I was alone in that, that room with Shaviev and two of my band members, and it was just very internally profound for me. I'm having the same profound experience here, and I'm feeling this calling to create music that tries to just bump up people's consciousness a little bit and emotional intelligence a little bit and just let your emotions be real and like feel things because if we can break through that emotional scar tissue, I think we get to that higher self Mm -hmm. that is much more peaceful. Uh, and much more accepting of others because you've gone through your own struggle and you're like, well, that person's just going through a struggle. Like, I don't need to hate on them right. for what they're feeling. Yeah. Like, there's, they're having some difficulties. And then you can even give people tools because you've gone through them too. I mean, we've talked a lot about losing parents. You know, like, I've lost my father. You, you know, lost my father. you lost your father. It's like, how do we, we give each other tools in those little moments of even just communing over that, that feeling because mm-hmm. loss is, a lot more difficult than people it's, ever prepare for. Yeah, like it's, grief is very hard. Yeah. And talking to someone else helps you realize, man, we're not alone. Like we all sadly will experience grief. And once you know that about everyone, why would you want to inflict that on someone else? Right. Instead, you just want to try to help them through it. Yes. And like, that's what I feel anyways. You know, I, I totally agree. I'm actually, so I, I haven't shared this with you, but the, so the book I'm, I'm writing, is it's it's about the music that wants to live in a space between two people and how do we become instruments for that song so it's very much aligned to what you shared earlier and so far as i believe that there's music that wants to live not just the space between two people but in in the collective yeah um and to me it's about that process of instead of going into what can I get from someone or like this extraction, extractive notion, uh, which has become so prevalent in our culture, more from analogous to what you shared about your own musical journey, right? Like, hey, I'm sharing a note here. Is this note resonant with that note? Do How do you feel? They go together. How do they feel together? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and that also depersonalizes something, right? Because some people might not be your music at the moment, but that doesn't make them wrong or you wrong. It that just means they're at different points in their, their, their experience. Exactly. And Metallica and the symphony don't go together, but that doesn't make either of them necessarily. Those are extremely Absolutely. That doesn't make either of them. No, but they, they could go together. I think yeah. they had, didn't they do a thing? I think, I, I don't know if they're one of the bands that even tried, but if you have a symphony playing Metallica, it will sound different. Yes. And you can have some of those notes make sense in that context sure, too. Sure. You're not going to get the same production out of it, but that's production is just one way of packaging an idea that's expressed in itself musically. Cause I think that ideas want to come up all the time. Totally. And they come up with different biases based on the way you record it. Yeah. Like a song will come out differently with this group of people than it will with they, you know, cause you've got these different sounds that you're drawn to. I, I'm drawn to softer sounds. Yes. Someone wants that hard sound, you know, but the, the music, that binds us is interesting because like when my dad passed, I was 
yeah, I was struggling with it. I was getting really angry with myself that I was not able to help my dad more. And no one could. I mean, my dad's passed away with cancer. But it's a very, uh, I don't know, it's just a very empty feeling. So I created an EP with four songs. And I, I just thought, wow, am I even going to share this? But I need to do this to get the emotions to get out of me, like to break through that. Yes. That, like, I don't know, like scar tissue that was just forming. I was becoming kind of like bitter or something. Yeah. And sour, right? And then that record uh, let me get through it. And then after I made it, I just was like, no, I think I got to put this out. Because if anyone does hear it, that needs to hear it, hopefully it helps them with these feelings of grief. Yes. Because we do feel grief in different ways, but at the same time, we all feel grief. You know, it's a massive collective emotion that yeah. is not talked about nearly yeah. enough, at least in our, not in our culture. culture. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I lost, I was very fortunate in that I would consider my father, my best friend, you know, and I was at a very unique relationship with him. And I still believe he lives very much in me and through me in spirit. Mm-hmm. I actually had his ashes that I carried oh, and I wear around, around my neck. I, I, well, I don't know if I've told anyone that, but, yeah, yeah, but he's, he's with me always, Yeah, but it is. But yeah, to, to, to shepherd someone through that transition, who's like your, your person and to know that like, you know, you'll never hold hands again, or you'll never, you know, it's like, it's deeply challenging and also so human, you know, like everyone goes through that loss. Right. And also in that, in that, in that's with that way traditional cultures have, right. Where it's like the memento mori, that, that notion of living with death as a, as a reminder of what it means to truly live. Right. Like I will say, I think I shared the, uh, the 40 day road trip, like coming to even to a degree to Antarctica, mm-hmm. right? Like I want, I think of, I think I thought about my dad while I'm down here, you know, I'm like, man, dad would have, dad would have loved this. And that's know? what walkabouts are about. That's it. Like there, you do reflect. I had like a moment of crisis when my dad died. Cause I didn't realize it until he passed away, but I kind of made music to impress my dad. My dad was a violinist. He got me playing cello when I was three. He was my biggest critic. The first album I ever made, which was a Milos record, not a Rye record, he literally walked out of the room because he thought it sucked. And he was wow. not shy to tell, like, you know, he just left. And it took me many months, like six months to to dredge up the courage to say, like, what did you think of that? And he's like, well, there was actually a lot of clashing notes. And I thought, you can do better. And I was like, it really hurt. Yeah. And when I listened back to that record, I know exactly what he's talking about. There's these terrible moments in the record, but I'm not that scared of mistakes. Yeah. That brought me to later records, you know? And I don't know if I've ever made anything perfect, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's fine to keep making these mistakes and I'm never going to arrive. I just keep creating. But my dad passed away and yeah, I had this moment of like, well, who am I making music for? Because I really wanted him to like what I was making. Yeah. And then before he passed away, he was like, no, I totally understand you. You're an artist. And it really gave me like this, oh, this, yeah, it was really important for him to say it to me. Yeah. Cause he's not saying well, I'm a musician. He was like, you're an artist. You, you have your own methodology. Yeah. You have, you didn't have to do everything the way I did it. He's like, I get it. And I was like, and it's, it took a while to set in, but, 
I'm back to the place where like I understand. And you do carry your, your lost parent with you forever because they've influenced you. Totally. You are who you are because of them, good or bad, you know? Or their music continued a lot, mm-hmm. you know? And you, for some reason, when you're in these environments, this, this walkabout mentality, you do feel your parent really strongly when you're alone in nature. You do. You know, and that's something that was very present. I did a singing moment in a cave in Patagonia and I, I had a really, we all decided to meditate and I sang. And then I went out and I saw this huge burst of sun come through the clouds and I just saw these eyes in the cloud that looked like my dad's. And I'd seen them before in Sedona um, where I had this conversation with him after he passed. And I'm like, oh, he's here again. He's here again. And that's been really wonderful for me because it didn't feel in any way judgmental or screw. It was very much like, oh, I just want to let you know yeah. I'm proud of you and I'm, I'm here. And uh, that's one of those beautiful drivers where you're just like, okay, no, keep doing what you're doing. And, yeah. That's beautifully said. I, I went through my own piece where I do things. I think it's very natural to do things to want to impress your parents. Yeah. You know? um, I had a pretty big existential lesson and then I, I, want, I wound up, when I left Global Citizen Festival, I wound up having this vision to, to host uh, the dialogue, which seemed impossible to me. No. <laughs> uh, but my father had been diagnosed with dementia. I was very intri- intrigued by the mind and had gone deep down the meditation rabbit hole. And I was like, who better to um, to talk about this than, than its holiness? And make a very long story short, I spent seven months of my life. Now, miraculously, I was able to to do it. And and there's actually this very beautiful moment because my dad at that point was pretty affected where I've done this kind of Herculean effort to make it happen and held the space for it. And it was never sure. I mean, even when we had, now he's 80 years old, he's a yeah. cool figure. But there's this moment where my dad meets him. And I say this without any, but my dad didn't even recognize who he was. Mm. So it was like, it was this great existential like moment where I was like, wow, I just spent like so much effort to try to make my dad proud by doing something. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even, I mean, I think he received it on some level, mm-hmm. but it was, it was an existential lesson and, and it's about who we're being and not what we're doing. Like my dad probably would have been just as stoked if I'd take him for ice cream. You know, I, I know. <laughs> I'm saying that. Uh, yeah. and, and so it was like, um, and it was so beautiful because the moment he meets him, my dad actually doesn't recognize. It's very kind of humble for me to share, but the photographer's there and there's one line he wants to take a picture and it's my family and I'm so, you know, proud of this moment. And my dad actually doesn't face the camera because he doesn't actually understand what's yeah. happening. And the Dalai Lama's right next to him and he actually, it's one of my favorite images, not just because of the, the vulnerability of it, but he actually takes my dad's hand and he gently moves him towards the camera. Yeah. Um, and it was this kind of image of the Dalai Lama recognizing, well, you know, that my well, father, on that? yeah, that was that he was sailing further from the shore, yeah, and uh, so it was it was deeply like vulnerable, but also like a profound lesson. And it's it's sometimes we do these elaborate, um, I'll say sometimes I do these elaborate dances for hope of one thing, and then realize it's actually totally something else, and also. The other people that benefited from what you did yeah. is interesting, right? Like you were trying to impress your dad the whole time, but there's this like beautiful 
collateral damage where it's like all these other people got these beautiful experiences yeah. while you were just so fixated on, you know, making your, your father proud. Because it feels less self-aggrandizing to have that yeah. goal where you're just trying to please your father. Yeah. Where when you're just trying to be pleasing everyone, that's actually, there's like a form of yeah, self-aggrandization in that. It could get egotistical or something. Sure, sure. And I think there's something really pure about that, but that's that's what happened and that's wonderful. Yeah. You know? So it was it was a beautiful lesson. Yeah. Well, let me ask. Well, we're we're going to move, I, I think, towards a close here in the, in, in the next you know little bit. But as you think about what you would, as you think about the whales and the whale song, and you mm -hmm. think about the music that wants to live through you, mm -hmm. and I don't think that there's a definitive answer for this, by the way. Okay. But what 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 do you see as potentially the next steps? Right. If you found that that first track, that second track. Where are you feeling called based on your listening? Hmm. So I feel very called to do a couple things with music. Mm. I'm going to continue the Rye Project where I do traditional song structure and um, get large groups of people together for concerts so we can have these beautiful moments that last for two hours. I, I really enjoy that. I think there's something really beautiful about just traditional concerts, traditional records. I love that. I'm always going to do it. Yeah. I love the format and I love producing. I'm also really called to doing these tiny group musical performances that start with sound, Cassia, uh, Great. on sound balls, yes. yeah, amazing human being. Joseph, one of my really good friends, playing synthesizers with me. Um, and then into song. Mm. Yes, there's psychedelics in the world, but small groups, music that goes on for about five hours. And I've been doing this thing where I sing directly into people's bodies. Mm. Um, and it was actually in Sedona where I was like singing to my dad and talking to him and having conversations and then all these things happen. And I just had this weird moment of like, go back inside and sing to people. And I started kind of walking around and singing right into people's bodies. And I sung into this one guy's back, really nice guy who's a surgeon. And he just starts like crying. And I just kept singing into him. He gets crying more and he starts wailing, he starts screaming. And then I, but it wasn't negative. He was letting something out. And that was that moment. I just was like, this is something I'm going to continue. I want to do this thing where like once a month we do a small gathering where we really drop in with people and I do these very, very intimate performances where I sing right into people, their stomachs or their faces, their heads or like wherever you feel called to as long as they also would like that. You know, I want people to understand this, what's going to happen. Yes. Um, and just playing a mix of acoustic instruments and synthesizers in these very, uh, they're not songs, it's very sonic. Yes. It's very, and it's allowing that person's mind to go into these really beautiful creative places where they can have these um just journeys essentially but with the sole purpose of breaking apart the scar tissue so that they can become this like really fluid being themselves and hopefully rye is almost like a gateway to these intimate performances so people hopefully get to know who i am over here in this like very normal, like popular way of digesting music. Yeah. 
And then for those that feel like a call to it, like, well, what is this thing he's awesome doing? To come into these really intimate environments and have that experience. And it's not a concert. It doesn't um, adhere to the, the normal rules of even pedestalization of the artist where there's a separation because the artist is on a stage. I mean, I'm like, I want to sit with people and sing. And it feels very personal to sing into someone. Yes. And it takes a lot of courage on my part. It does. Too, because it's like, you know, my voice doesn't always feel great and like this yeah. and that, but I don't think that's what it's about. And it's, it's kind of what I was doing with the penguin and I saw it sick. Yeah. I started singing to it because I feel that I'm helping that penguin in that moment. And I feel like I'm helping that person in that moment. And the feedback I've been getting is that it's very enjoyable, nonetheless, you know, but hopefully it is helping that person. She, a couple of things come to mind. It feels like almost like a sonic surgery. Not that I think you would identify yourself as a surgeon, but I, it feels like, like when you say to kind of break apart that, um, like I'll say for my dad, I should yeah. bring in. So my dad, one of the things that was so powerful is even when he was amidst his dementia, and there's actually a great film, which I, I think you would love, called The Live Inside. Okay. Um, so it's not quite what you're saying in terms of singing into someone, mm. but there's a scene, it's beautiful, Like, but this man has been left kind of in a nursing home and he's despondent, nonverbal, like head down. And I mean, it's tragic because he's, he's been basically left in this institution. But someone took the energy to find out what his favorite music was. Yeah and created a playlist and of course it would have been even more powerful if that they had sang directly to him but they took a playlist and they put it on his ears mm. and i kid you not mike he's like uh, i remember 19 and he's responsive mm -hmm. verbal and articulate which is someone who's seen the most loved human in his life move to a place beyond those words is like there's no pill no medicine no miracle solution on the planet that can touch the way that music can evoke yeah i feel like smell and music are the two things that latch themselves to memories and become nostalgic yeah and nostalgia is this really beautiful feeling when you feel nostalgia you're like well i love this moment that's why i've categorized it in my mind like that song that I was playing when I was 16, when me and my girlfriend at that time kissed at the, you know, like that beautiful yeah. moment. That's locked in there because it was a beautiful moment, you know? And like, you could revisit those moments with music so easily. And it feels so wonderful because those, mo those moments make up who you are as a person, you know? And yeah. being aware of yourself having those, I don't know, that the emotional constellation or like this, these, experiences that kind of create this fabric that is you like that's incredible it is it's truly incredible and like to be able to access that through song is also incredible and that's the beautiful the beautiful part of the time that we live in is we have recorded music it's only in the last you know if you really think about like five generations of your family members that have gotten to have recorded music as a bookmark for nostalgic moments yeah Prior to that, you had to go to a concert and like there, it's always played differently. And it's not recorded music is something that it's one of the cooler inventions that humans have 
put out into to our it's, world. I think about I think about I don't know if you ever saw the movie Out of Africa, but there's yeah this, yeah, yeah. scene where Meryl Streep and Rob Redford and he's figured out a phonograph, you know, yeah. an old school phonograph, and he brings it out of the the bush of Kenya and plays it for the animals, and it's yeah. just like recorded yeah. music, recorded music. Fuck it, and it's, it's like a dark art when you like. I almost understand digital recording more than analog recording. Analog, it's like you're cutting just a sound wave that's represented by this time. And then when you hear it back, it sounds exactly like it was, it doesn't make any sense. Yes. And when you get into producing, you realize you put so much energy to getting these tones correct and like you're equalizing things and you're spending so much money on the right compressor because it does this and that. And you get it recorded. When you play it in a car, you're like, this really sounds like what I've been trying to do. Um, How? I don't know. It's so... It's such a beautiful dark art in mm-hmm. so many ways. I, don't, I shouldn't even say dark art. It's like a beautiful magic, you know. But that is, allows us to to mark memory. Yes. You know, it's not just being present with a song. It's being able to like revisit a beautiful past moment with that, and then build upon it with new experiences. Yes. And that's where music becomes really important. Like you've heard this song through different moments of your life. No. It, yeah, it has a numinosity. It's almost like just like the groove of a record player, that song has now grooved itself into your soul, yeah. into your experience, Being. into the aspect that is those precious moments throughout your life. You know, the first song of your wedding, or you know, whatever, it whatever be. it is. Yeah, yeah, it's magic in that way. I know. It's. A, I mean, that's why I'm so taken by it. Yeah, I'm so in love with the recording process because I love what it means. It means so much more than just. You're trying to put a song out for whatever, I don't know, to to make some money. Like yeah. that's not, it's not. You become, you create works that literally become part of people's lives. Yes. In a good way, you know. In, in, in the best way. Yeah. I mean, in the, in some of the most exalted moments, right? Like you don't even, you're not even aware of this probably to the degree that it exists, but like how many people have had such profound numinous experiences encounters mm-hmm. with your music as the soundtrack and i'll never even know you won't even know i know i want it's like the fingerprints of time mm-hmm. just kind of continues on but it's and that's why it's like birthing when you put a song out you're birthing it and then you are not being a helicopter parent yeah. you're like letting that song be out there yeah and do its thing and you're like wow and then you get to sing it for people and they've had these experiences and then they see you live and you're like now we're sharing the experience. Yeah. Where somehow it's coming back around. And that's that's that like communication. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like a circuit. Well, I want to acknowledge you, man. I, I really appreciate your openness. And it's also been really beautiful getting to know you on this trip. Yeah, it's been an amazing trip. <laughs> like one of those peak trips where I I just I didn't know what to expect, didn't know it was gonna be this incredible. And then I keep having more experiences that are like in just they're again that's incredible that's incredible that's incredible and again my like my best moments have been talking to a person and then nature mm-hmm. talking person nature it's mm-hmm. like connecting with humans and then the connecting with the animals yes. and the, the natural environment i also think and I'm, I'm just verbalizing this i haven't really it's kind of but i think also i i'm in the same cadence and it's been like an acknowledgement of I connect more musically with other people when I take the time to pause and reset and come into my sanctuary and be with, with nature. And just look out. So look out, it kind of like, it's like what level sets me. 
you know, and and then then I can go back and we drop in the, the music that wants to live, but it, but uh, but but I mean, like just for reference, there's like the world's most perfect. Spot. I don't understand that. that we're we're like, there's a you know we're on the ocean, yeah. nothing for miles. I don't see anything, and then out of nowhere, this square, perfectly square. Yeah, it almost looks like a Moroccan temple with like windows. Yes, yes. But it's perfectly, and it's just floating in the middle of the ocean. And it's majestic, and it's huge, and it makes no sense, and it's probably incredibly old. Incredibly old. I remember in Iceland, actually, a gentleman, I went to this secret ice cave, and I went in, and it was like this yonic, deep blue crystalline structure, and and I was handed a piece of ice, and, and I was told this water from this piece of ice fell to the earth over a thousand years ago. Which means that the water, the frequency of this water has never seen, touched, or known an industrial pollutant. Yeah, never. Different carbon percentages and stuff at that time. And yeah, yeah, but then also the oxygen has been pulled out over time as it freezes and it gets more blue. And like, you're just like, this is crazy. This is really ancient water. Like, that's an ancient structure of water. Yes. And it's been solid in that state for a long time. Yeah, and it looks like a, like a petroglyph. I mean, it looks like a... It looks man-made. It does. Like this one in particular looks... It has a completely flat top, and it looks like there's windows in it. It does. And it looks like someone's just in there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if a little elf was in that window. Like, it just makes no sense how that is there, but it's so beautiful. And some of those landscapes when we pulled into the bay, and it was fog, and then the fog lifted, you don't even know there's this incredible rock face with... Like just ice on it, and then oh, it's just like, what are you talking about? And that's the thing, man. It's like when we actually pause and reflect, the it's like we've all actually won the lottery. I mean, in so far as if you have time and your health, mm-hmm. and you get to experience things like this, like to me, there's there's no greater wealth in life. I mean, it's like the experiences that we get to create and the people we get to create them with. To me, it's like the music of life and living. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's the gift. Um, yeah, and this will stay in your mind. Totally. Like even this view will stay in my mind. Like some of those views will stay in my mind. It will. And we've obviously taken a lot of photos, so we can revisit that, which is also an amazing technology. Like the ability to the ability to revisit an image is really cool. It is. That's why I like photography. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. Well, I want to honor your time. Uh, I want to thank you. Thank for you for dropping in deep on no. this conversation, and I'm going to take a little bit of a risk, which you can, which you can uh, obviously accept or decline, commensurate with what feels right for you. But there's a piece of me that wanted to ask me. You were sharing earlier about the singing into right, like mm-hmm. people who are listening will know your music, and then I'll link to if you, with your permission, of course. I'll link to some of the beautiful sonic notes that you shared um, upstairs. Oh, definitely. When the icebergs and the orchids. But even if there's a small sampling, I think I shared with you a little bit when we were in the hot tub yesterday. There, I've had one other experience that at least evoked when you were sharing about what you're doing with the the notes. And I imagine yeah. what you did with the penguin, which was with a Kakoma man. And he sang his ikaros. He sang his sort of sacred songs. Mm. But it was like he would weave the field like of someone's presence in a way that sort of helps uh at least for me 
he helped me kind of close my fields and also return to a state of balance. Mm -hmm. And it was actually during a particularly difficult period of life, but there was this moment where, and we're at six in the morning, he's about to fly back to Peru. I'm in Mexico. He's singing to me and his wife comes in without me knowing. And they're, she's holding their brand new six month, five month old baby. Mm -hmm. And I, my eyes are closed. He's singing. And then all of a sudden, she starts to sing. Mm -hmm. And I just started to bawl. Mm -hmm. It was like, the from my own listening, mm -hmm. the embodiment of what partnership could be. Because yeah. it was like the harmony of her voice and his voice in this very uh, beautiful setting was the exact antidote to the darkness I had felt prior, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, and so even if it's not a, um, a full expression, even maybe just leaving with a note, if you're, if you feel called totally up to you of some kind of a vocal, um, uh, intonation. Yeah. So I need like a long time to actually do this whole thing with singing into you, but the idea of the note is I'll, I'll show you a little bit. I'm trying. I'll start singing and I'll start to hear in my mind a feedback from your body. So like, let's say I just start singing now. It's like. Just keep repeating that right if that's not the melody i'm always doing i'm like i'm trying to find your your list your, yeah i'm listening to your rent so it's like i start with the note first and i start changing the shape of the, the tone of it to like to fit something i'm i'm hearing back like so that's what the You know what I mean? Like you, you feel it coming. Like I can feel where it's starting to touch your chest as I change and shape the tone. Yes. And then because now I'm starting to see that there's boundaries and there's edges and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Because if it's just one note that was always the same, it's just okay. Yeah. But when I change it, that's where I start to feel. And then you start to get these intuitions of like, where do I direct the sound? Is it here? Is it here? Is it here? Where are your emotional blocks? And then I start to like move around you and look for it. And look for the emotional blocks in you by keep, by me keep changing the 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 embouchure and the, yeah. like that so that thus you know changes the tone a little bit, and then you start introducing melodies. But I try not to look at you because I don't want to yeah, see yeah. you. I want to just feel what your reaction is while I'm doing it. What was alive for me is, which was not what I expected, not that I had an expectation, but wasn't what I expected was. At first, like I, I felt the the smoothness of the harmony affected my heart, which is an area I keep more protected. Uh -huh. But what was wild is actually it went into my gut, which is where I feel like I have some softness and like mm -hmm. some work, like some things. <laughs> and it was yeah. like so, like, like I heard it, and it was like I tuned in. It was like my heart, and then it went to my and then it went to my gut. Like it was like uh, like uh, because I, I think the gut is like the soil of the earth, mm -hmm. right? Like we're talking about earlier about round. It's your health too. Yeah, it's your health. Yeah, it's you great. know. Yeah. Um, which is to say, it, even in that little 
taste, I could feel the efficacy. So please count me in for uh, for a. Uh, I think you should come. Yeah, I was like, too. if I can get with someone for longer, you can start to push. Yeah. And I, if I if I feel like there's a block, then yeah, then I'll start to focus in on that area, and then I'll start to push a little bit. Like be like, okay, do you need more volume? Do you need more intensity? Or is it actually more nurture? Yes. You know, and like both happen. Yeah. You know, and but I'm not aggressive in my tone. So it's no. never aggressive. It's just like, do you need more of the volume? And like, do you need cl- like closer proximity or whatever? So it's tiring though. So that's why we can only do them probably once a month. Exactly. I got to also care. Well, you extend, I think. So without that, I'm also, I'm an empath. Like I can feel everyone. Yeah. I sense that you probably have similar um, aspects. The challenge of that is when you output, especially if it's the orientation of being of service to someone else, mm-hmm. then you need deep time to restore. Yeah, it's got to kind of your protect yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Make sure it's all good. Exactly. exactly. Um, for the benefit of those listening, where can people find your work? Uh, anything, right? Just R-H-Y-E on Spotify, Apple, like any any of the normal places. Hit me up on Instagram, Rye, R-H-Y-E. And I think the... The inner world to where we're doing the intro performances, it's kind of like, that's got to be a bit of a magical. Yeah, that's got to come in soon. It's got to come in, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not like there's some email you can just no, sign up to. Yes. Um, but we've been doing them and I'm in, I've been having these really, really beautiful moments doing it and I'm finding a lot of joy in it. Yeah. That's why we're doing it. You know, yeah. like I, if I didn't find joy, I wouldn't do it, but. Um, Secular Sabbath as well. So secular Sabbath is kind of another gateway to it. So yeah. secular Sabbath is also why we're here on the boat. Yep. Like Wes was like, hey, I, I'm going to do this thing in Antarctica, what I want to do with you guys so you provide the wellness. So Jean-Vierre, my partner, runs everything secular Sabbath. And I do these long format ambient performances, like what we did on uh, the top of the boat the other night. And um, I sing in these different ways than traditional rice songs as well. With synthesis, and it's all improv and it's experimental but they're very long format. Like there's one in the desert we're doing in May, that's two nights. Doing in May in the desert, that's two nights long, and Joshua Tree, and that's, you get the Friday, Friday night, Saturday, and then leave Sunday. We have like food and different activations, and we do these gestalt act- activations and breath work, and we're doing some like gaga movement, body movement, and then these long eight hour musical j- like journeys kind of. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, I'm honored to share a conversation. Yeah, it's a nice. Uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to more conversations. Looking forward to more secular Sabbaths, and looking forward to more music and whatever articulation it comes in. Yeah, Mike um, Bilov, thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Bang. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rye. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I loved, loved, loved speaking with him. I'm going to drop uh, the set that we that he performed uh, with Secular Sabbath. Uh, so check that out. That'll be the next episode on the pod. And please feel free to share this with someone you think would appreciate it. Uh, and go ahead and leave us a rating and review uh, on Spotify, on Apple. would mean the world to me. Also, please subscribe over on YouTube. I'm going to be dropping some exclusive content over there as we move more and more into video. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've got some incredible guests lined up. Uh, Your listening and your attention, your energy means the world to me. Sending you guys so much love.